This is the only place that talks about how to maximize the output of your SDR team. Every single week, we get insights from the best-in-class SDR leaders diving deep into exactly how we can better lead our teams, constantly increase the output of our management, and leverage the systems that will allow our SDRs to perform at a much higher level. This is the SDR Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Becker. Do not forget to leave us a review and rate us on iTunes. Welcome, everyone, to the SDR Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Matt, and I am joined by Kyler Jackson, who I'm really excited to have on, uh, I mean, just the topic we're going to be covering, um, his background, and everything is just aligning really beautifully as far as what we're going to be diving into. Kyler, could you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. So I've had kind of what some might call a non-conventional track. Um, you know, started in, in retail sales, working for Best Buy, selling computers and cell phones and went, did some car sales, did some real estate sales, but really found, you know, tech was what I loved. So my first job was as an SDR in tech and, you know, just love the pace, love, love the industry. And I've been doing it ever since. And so now I'm, I'm managing SDRs over at Lucid. There we go. From Best Buy to managing a team of SDRs. I love it. So guys, today uh, we're going to be going into delegation uh, especially making your team, like your SDR team, feel valued. And I mean, essentially, the you know the reason that we're wanting to cover this, I actually wanted to let Kyle give us his insight on. But Kyle, why is it that you actually think it's important for SDR leaders to delegate? First of all, yeah, you know, I get to work with a lot of leaders from a really diverse range of industries and roles with the work we do here at Lucid. And you know, something that I see that's a really common mistake that leaders make that. Uh, is not exclusive to SDR, but definitely pertinent to it, is trying to keep their projects too close to their chest. And it creates these massive bottlenecks. It's, you know, they're the people that are just in this perpetual state of, I'm always doing a restructure. I always just need to get rolling on this thing. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, as a leader, delegating, you know, serves you in, in several ways. For one thing, it speeds up the rate at which you can get things done. You know, if you're able to pass things off, you're going to get more done. Eight people are going to get more than, done than one. That one's not necessarily rocket science. Um, but, you know, it's also one of those things that when you delegate effectively, it gives your team a chance to really feel like they're applying their creativity, their skills to their work and being able to do something that's impacting the business. So, you know, it gives you a happier team, but it's also something as you look up the chain, the higher up the chain in an organization you get, the better people are at delegating. So if you really want to accelerate your own career trajectory, learn to delegate early and often. There we go. So how is it that you approach, especially like as an SDR manager, delegating out um, <laughs> what you'd refer to as the monkeys, right? How do we control those monkeys? How do we really put them in their place? That sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And and to give a little ba- bit of background on the monkeys. So HBR did a fantastic article on delegation um, where it, it uses monkeys as an analogy. Essentially, you have your own monkey to feed as a leader. Your job is to keep it alive. Your uh, reports have their own monkeys, that it's their job to uh, to keep them alive. And I wouldn't do justice if I tried to go a whole lot further than that. Um, I highly recommend reading the article. But essentially, you know, it's it's easy to, with good intentions, let your team put their monkeys on your back. And that's not healthy for anyone. Um, and so with with that being the case, you know, the job is to support them feeding their monkeys rather than to take their monkeys onto your own arms. Um, 
Yeah, I think one of the, the really important things to think about when you are delegating, though, is that uh, the size of the task is almost always going to increase as it goes down the chain. And so, you know, what's something that might be a small task to your boss is a medium task to you and vice versa. Something that might be a small task to you might be a medium task to to your report. And at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to delegate to be more effective and to give them a chance to feel really empowered in the work that they do. Um, and so we have to be really careful not to overload them and burn them out. And so starting with some some small tasks, letting them get used to it and turn that into a small task, you know, refine it down from a medium to a small task on their plate and then increasing that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. I was just smiling there because I was imagining, you know, I guess like SDR might be like lead chimpanzee and then you give them an ape to take care of. It's probably probably not going to work out too well. But yeah, it's a great analogy. Appreciate that. So within that, you know, your approach to really delegating these different tasks out. I mean, there's a couple of different questions I had around it. I think one of the big ones is like, what tasks do you really focus on delegating uh, specifically like for the SDR role? And probably a side question to that, which, you know, we might cover afterwards is like what tasks do you definitely never delegate that maybe some SDR leaders think that they could or should be interesting to dive into those. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good questions. And I, I think, you know, as far as delegation is concerned, there's, there's two sides to that as well. So there's the tasks from your projects that, that you're taking and distributing amongst the team. Um, and you know, that's something that I think is important to just kind of think about people's bandwidth and skill sets as you're, you're assigning those. I think the other part of, of delegation that's perhaps the uh, more commonly uh, mistaken uh, or the the one where people make the most mistakes is in letting that monkey onto your back as well. And so someone comes to you with a with a problem and they say, hey, what should I do about this? How can I solve this? And you jump into trying to solve it or, you know, help them solve it. Um, that's a different form of delegation in the sense of rather than taking that monkey on your back, delegate out the solution back to the person who just basically brought it to you and asked, hey, you know, what can I do about this? Um, and so uh, the answer to that question is, uh, or to that side of it, is just support them, but don't make it your problem. Um, as far as delegating out pieces of, of projects, so um, that's something where I think you can really, a lot of that that frontline type of material. So being able to go and and write emails, um, come up with campaign ideas, create reports um, to be able to find leads more efficiently. That's all stuff that you can say, hey, we need we need a report to be able to find people who told us to call us back in March. And you can give that to somebody on your team and and have them go and create that. And then essentially put yourself into that seat where rather than being the one man band that's trying to take all of these different projects and especially miscellaneous ones over the line yourself, you're relegating yourself into a role of basically being the editor in the QA. They come back to you and you say, okay, great, looks good. Or, hey, maybe we need to think about some of these other uh, fields to include or pieces of information we need to, to look for, whatever the case may be. Um, but that's the type of, of work that I'm typically delegating out. And as they show an increase of capacity, uh, giving them maybe some more advanced uh, type of, of jobs, like doing some of that persona research and creating competitive materials. Okay, which we'll dive into in a minute. In terms of, you know, making them feel supported, but not making 
you know, different tasks your problem. I kind of have two questions on that. One would be in general, maybe if you have some examples of certain tasks where, you know, you're not going to take that on, you're, you're going to put it back on them. Um, yeah, let's start with that and then I'll ask my other question. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually, I think, uh, something that comes to mind there is is probably one of my uh, my early mistakes of my own in delegation um, in that I had a rep that came to me and was just saying, hey, I've tried everything. Nothing's landing. People aren't responding. I'm not getting meetings booked. I don't know what to do. Um, this was, was in our one-on-one. And I immediately jumped into troubleshooting mode and trying to basically solve that uh, that problem for him and asking, okay, well, how do you feel about your ability to pull Salesforce reports? How do you feel about your ability to deliver the value prop and all of these things? Um, and the intention was to try to help kind of create a, a level of troubleshooting there and see if I could solve that problem. Um, by the time we got to the end of it, I asked a few questions. We hadn't really made much progress. Um, and so it, it really failed to serve both, you know, myself as a leader and my SDR as a contributor in that, you know, now not only have I not helped them solve their problem in the time that we had allotted and basically put a pin in it and said, let's continue this discussion another time. But it kind of creates this uh, this environment where, one, they've been undermined in their ability to increase their problem solving capability and apply the skills that we hired them for um, to be able to go and, and become more effective at their job. Um, but two, now we got to the end of it and basically made the problem even larger uh, because it's like, hey, well, my manager can't even figure out the solution to this. So this is a real problem. This is this is uh, a disaster is more or less kind of like what that that creates. And so um, that would have been a good opportunity, you know, rather than trying to go in and, and throw darts and see if I could find uh, the point that needed to be resolved itself to assist in kind of thinking through that and what are you going to do about it? Okay, so what have you tried? Have you thought about alternatives? You know, like what um, what other approaches could you make? What could you stop doing to make room to try something new and kind of t- take them you know, down that lane instead and leave them in the driver's seat? Yeah, that's like a really good point. And I don't know about you, but I feel like, you know, the more meetings I do, the more I feel like it's always just a discovery call type framework. And I mean, even when I'm talking with executives, I'm really shocked. It's always going back to just that traditional discovery call framework. Like, hey, you're like, what's the goal here? All right. What's the biggest challenge? What have you tried? You know, that kind of thing. Do you find that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, and that's part of the thing that's cool about sales skills um, is that, you know, sales is is ultimately a life skill, a business skill. Like what we're doing with our reps is really no different than what we are you know, for at least anybody who's sold prior to getting into the SDR manager role, it's no different than what we do with our prospects. It's just helping them solve a different problem. Yeah, hundred percent. And so like, what questions do you get from SDRs? Like actually one thing I've heard from certain managers is they'll just ignore certain questions. If they don't feel like they were, I don't know, very well thought out or things like that. What's your opinion on that? Yeah. You know, I think that at the end of the day, my approach tends to be a little bit more of maybe taking a, a poorly thought out question and trying to, to bake it through. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious maybe if there's examples that you have of, of questions that managers have asked or that have said that they'll, they'll avoid. Um, so I think it also comes down to like size of team, et cetera, because if you're working with seven reps, like usually you can answer most questions, but 
some of the SDR leaders I've talked with, or even you know executives who are kind of in the SDR manager function, don't have time to focus on everything. So they get a question like, hey, like, what do you think about tracking numbers in this different way? Or they have like a certain idea for the team or things like that, I think are some of the ones that tend to get more so ignored in my experience. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So I think when it, when it comes to certain questions, it's something where I'm going to evaluate who's best equipped to help with this question. Um, and so in that case, you know, if, if I'm the best person to actually, you know, take an idea into reality or to, to help somebody through a question that they have, then I am going to take that one on and I'm going to, I'm going to assist them with it. A lot of the times there's somebody on the team or in our organization that is, uh, really probably a better resource, um, for them on, on a lot of the questions that we get, especially when it comes to, you know, some of the specific things about, you know, targeting accounts or coming up with new ideas for ways that, that we can prospect into things. I can give a degree of, of input, but a lot of the times it's their peers who are going to give them the most effective feedback. And so for those ones, I'll take that question and I'll say, that's a great question. Talk to so-and-so, um, and they can help you with that. Okay, interesting. So one way or another, like you'll never just disregard the question. You'll either delegate out the question to someone else or answer it yourself if it's your warehouse. Right. Yeah, and maybe it develops into something that lands on my plate later on. <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, it's just a, a calculation of is this a me question or is this a peer question? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So we were starting to talk a little bit earlier about Delegating some of those tasks that don't necessarily represent the the job that an SDR per se is being paid for, even though some of the things you can delegate out will definitely help level up the team, but it's kind of an indirect, you know, function of their job, if that makes sense. So in terms of those other tasks, things like, you know, running team meetings, helping with like persona research, some of the things that are generally managerial tasks how do you think about delegating those out or not to your SDRs? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, in terms of, of delegating those types of tasks, um, really framing it in the sense of the value, what's in it for them. So same thing, you know, just like you would do with a, a prospect of what, what do you get out of this? How does this help you is, is really the key there. Um, you know, and I, it's one of those things where there's two components to compensation. You have a base salary because, some of what you do is going to have to be basically goodwill of, you know, doing some of these customer service types of calls and, you know, some of these research types of activities. But it's we pay you for that because it's going to help you make more on your variable. It's going to make you more effective targeting your prospects. It's going to, um, you know, it's going to drive better discovery once you actually get them on the calls. Um, you know, it's going to help you. Uh, target a higher volume of prospects. It's always uh, put in that framework of, yeah, this is taking you off the phones, but it's actually going to make you more effective in your job because you put this effort in uh, in order to get there. Um, you know, really, even if it's uh, even if it's somebody who is going outside of sales, maybe in the long run, the, the skills that you develop and being able to participate in some of those other projects are things that are resume builders and and skill builders. If they're trying to go into leadership, if they're trying to go into other departments um, that are ultimately going to benefit them and be things they can showcase when they interview later on. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of framing it. Actually, do you have any other strategies as far as framing those sorts of things in their best interest? It sounds like one is like, hey, you're going to get skills, you're going to get additional credibility as far as the you know, future positions in our companies, other companies, et cetera. 
are there things that you'll kind of put in front of them to show like, hey, look, this is what you're getting when you're making those sorts of proposals? Yeah, you know, I think ultimately um, people want three things. They want money, they want recognition, they want impact. Um, yeah, and, and in sales in particular, money is probably even more <laughs> of, of a driver, but I think everyone's driven by it. Um, but it's really just what's the mix of those three things that a given individual wants. Um, and so with that being the case, you know, being able to, to kind of show, um, I think, you know, money and, and recognition are covered in being more effective and being able to, you know, this is stuff you can put on your resume. This is stuff that I'll tell you, Hey, good job. Thank you for doing that for, um, but then also when you look at the impact point, you know, how is this helping make the world a better place? How is this helping the business and helping them tie to, you know, not just uh, not just their own kind of impact, but how their impact is extrapolating out into the world. It's helping our business, which is helping other businesses um, create, make the world a better place. So that's interesting. So it sounds like you try to tie in all three, if you can, impact, recognition and and money, like in some way, whether it's now or in down the road, make them see that they're going to be able to get each of those three things, or at least, you know, two. Yeah. And I think a lot of that just comes down to kind of creating that, that culture and that consistent reinforcement, you know, within the team of, um, you know, they are going to be recognized for their work. Um, you know, they, we are driving toward making them more successful and always keeping, I, I think probably something that's really overlooked in uh you know motivating and driving sdr teams is keeping that you know top level vision of okay so uh if i'm doing this just to set meetings and make money i can do that anywhere like how is what i'm doing actually how does what i'm doing actually matter you know what what impact is this making that i can feel good about and and really stay committed to over the long run even if maybe there's a stretch where things aren't going my way yeah yeah that makes total sense what are your thoughts on having your SDRs sort of run team meetings? Yeah, you know, I think that that is a really good way to approach things, um, especially and uh, something that, that we work with regularly at Lucid is kind of the agile methodology. And, you know, some of those concepts can be pulled in that there's there's a daily stand up that an agile team will run. We sell to engineers a lot. So we especially talk about this a lot. Um, but part of the fundamental of the daily stand up is that managers should not be a part of it. You know, this is something where the team comes together and supports each other and comes up with their daily plan. Um, and so I've I've done it both ways. And you still need to have, you know, management check ins and, and updates. Um, they, they can't be washed completely off the face of the earth. Um, but what I've seen our team do is kind of organize around, uh, um, their own meetings where they're able to come together and, uh, support each other. And sometimes that's talking strategy and tactics. Sometimes it's just coming in and being like, Hey, today sucked. And they don't have to worry about saying that and having their manager hear it. <laughs> and they can just kind of like vent and, and support each other. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, so for one thing, having them self-organize is fantastic, but having them actually run it, I mean, hearing from your peers is, is tremendously impactful. I can sit and I can, you know, uh, bark at the team all day and tell them, Hey, you need to be doing these things and it's good for you and, and whatnot. Um, and it, you know, it'll, it'll land to some effect, but when it's their peer that's, that's driving that and, and leading, um, the conversation, it resonates much more deeply. Yeah, that's a really good point. So 
I'm actually really curious though, how is it that you go from basically, you know, yourself leading those team meetings where, you know, it's kind of the same thing every, every day. It's like, all right, you know, great matter. Kyler's running the meeting. Like, all right, guys, break out your projections and that kind of thing. How do you take it from that to them kind of self-running? Is there like a certain framework that you teach them to use? How do you create that dynamic? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's part of the magic of, of empowering your team is that uh, when you let them run with uh, the responsibility, they'll oftentimes surprise you and come up with much better ideas than you may have had. <laughs> um, and a lot of that comes back to, you know, your team is the closest to what's happening on the front lines. I'm not even far removed from what's happening on the front lines, but they still have better visibility into what they're experiencing, um, you know, what they need how they can support each other than I am, you know, being a, a layer back. Um, and so, no, that's something that, that um, I've essentially kind of let them take the reins on as far as their, their like teammate driven and self-organized types of, of activities. I just hand it over and, and let them do what they feel they need. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting. So essentially I'm sure I'll give an example. You'll let me know if this is what you do, but let's say there's a certain monthly projection. Will you just be like, Hey guys, how are we going to hit this monthly projection from the executives and just ask them that question and leave it with them? Or how do you typically go about that? For example? Yeah. So when, when that's the kind of, or, or the context, um, so that's, that's stuff that I'll take the reins on. Um, okay. and so we go through, we do, we do like monthly recap and, and retrospectives and basically talk about, okay, what happened last month? What are we driving toward this month? What can we change? What did we do well? Where did we get lucky? How can we not be lucky this time and do that intentionally? You know, all of those, those types of questions. Um, so that's stuff that I'll lead. Um, but then as far as once we kind of have that, that strategy and game plan in place, I'll, I'll deliver the accountability and the reinforcement and the support from the manager standpoint through one-on-ones and then through meetings that we set based off of those one-on-ones um, and let the, uh, let the team kind of drive their direction toward that. So what's an example of what you would hand the reins over to your team for, like on those team meetings, for example? Yeah. Yeah. So um a lot of it, I mean, it's basically just kind of that, that ability to on a, a daily basis or, um, yeah, it's been on a, a daily basis to be able to kind of check in and, and support each other. And so, um, I've experimented with, with some different formats of our, our morning standup. Um, and so what we've done most recently is just a cold call warm up, um, where we come in in the morning give any announcements and then everyone breaks out into groups so they can practice cold calls on each other rather than, you know, on, on, uh, a prospect. And that's something that, um, basically they get, get paired up in, in groups and they can run with the reins from there. Um, you know, aside from that, I've, I've had, uh, our teammates run just the morning standup entirely on their own and they came together and, and created a learning schedule for the, the morning standup so that basically we could, you know, get a little uh, report in, but also just deposit a piece of knowledge that's pertinent to, to the projects that we're working on each day. Um, and so I think as far as, uh, um, meetings that, so if we're talking about like a, a forecast meeting, um, if we're, if we're talking about something that's like a monthly or a quarterly review, 
Um, those are things that, that I'm going to drive, but for things that are more kind of like day-to-day -day tactical sorts of meetings, that's where I'll let them kind of guide it and, and take the lead. Okay. That makes sense. So you leave most of the tactics with them, but like the higher level, uh, you know, let's say planning, like basically the management, the leadership, you'll take charge of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, uh, maybe the easiest way to summarize it is, is because I'm, I'm still doing call reviews. I'm still, uh, doing a lot of, you know, frontline type of stuff with them. Um, jumping on calls, doing dial sessions, all of that type of stuff. Um, but as far as supporting each other in that capacity, I let them take the lead. As far as putting the structure and the strategy around it, that's where, that's the stuff that I'll lead and I'll drive those meetings. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, no, appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's really good insights, I think, for everyone. I do appreciate you clarifying that as well. So the second part of this is... I mean, I think kind of goes hand in hand with what we've been discussing, but really, you know, making your SDRs feel uh, encouraged, valued, reinforcing certain behaviors, uh, not enforcing others. Why do you think it's important to to actually reinforce and encourage SDRs? Yeah, you know, just ingrained natively into their workflow is an abundance of opportunity for negativity, for self-doubt, for discouragement. They, the last thing they need is more coming from inside of their company. And so that's where, you know, ultimately what, what they need from the internal side of the fence is reinforcement that, uh, they're here for a reason and they can do this job. Um, yeah. And I think it comes back to those, those kind of three, uh, things that everybody wants. They want money. They want uh, recognition. They want impact. Um, you know, and it's it's really easy. I think the main reason that it's it's important to be very mindful of that culture is that SDRs have options. You know, everybody's always hiring for SDRs. There's there's no shortage of opportunities, and it's it, you know it's a very common story where somebody burns out in one location and goes to another, and now they're an all star. And you know, really that's that's where you see a lot of that effect where you really have to drive that positive reinforcement and that trust in that individual as a leader. You now that's something that, that uh, I've noticed has been different in my time at, at Lucid. I've gone to a lot of places that have had an environment of essentially you're lucky to be here. So don't mess it up. Um, and, and that's wearing, you already know that you have a quota, you have a number you have to hit <laughs> you, those, those are kind of ingrained into your job. And so when that's the reinforcement you're getting internally, that, that just drives down that wear that much more. Um, something that I think we do a really good job of at Lucid is creating that environment of you're with us and we're with you. And, you know, you are more valuable than your number. Obviously we're always going to be trying to manage to, to hit those goals, um, but when things aren't going your way, you need to feel like, hey, we still trust you. We're still with you um, because otherwise they're going to go somewhere else. Really good point. So how do you like to approach I mean, that whole thing, like really creating that culture where independent of the results that they're getting? I mean, unless obviously they're going AWOL or doing some crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> how do you really make them feel encouraged and, and valued and reinforced? Yeah. You know, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with just being really intentional about creating systems and opportunities for you to be able to recognize good behavior. And so even if it's, even if it's not, you know, 
hey, so-and-so just sourced this huge deal, um, which is definitely something you should absolutely be calling out as well. But to be able to have that visibility throughout the day where I can say, hey, this rep has already made you know, 80 dials and it's noon for someone who's trying to get back on track. You know, it's like, hey, that may be the only thing that they have going for them right now, but that's a really great effort they're putting in. I'm going to make sure that they see that I see that. Um, and similarly, you know, setting goals and making sure, you know, in one-on-ones, I'm calling out, hey, this is, uh, you know, this is what I've seen this past week. Great job hitting your goals or great job hitting your your objectives, the things you can control, even though your goals didn't fall the way you wanted to. And then, of course, when things are going their way, which is most of the time, um, you know, just making sure that ev- you don't lose track of the fact that somebody who's performing really well still wants that recognition. They still want to be you know, seen for the good work they're doing. Um, and so just taking every opportunity that you can to call people out for doing a good job in a public fashion. Um, I think another another way that uh, that can be applied is, you know, somebody somebody hits their uh, their quota, sending out an email with all of our senior leadership involved. Like that's really impactful to an SDR to hit quota and, you know, get an email back from the SVP of sales saying, hey, great job. Yeah, that's really good. Any other systems you use? Some of the ones that come to mind are not even necessarily uh, driven by like good behavior, but just them being at the company. Um, I know like one of those meaningful gifts that I ever got was just like this wallet from uh, my old SDR manager. And that, that meant like the world to me when I got that. What are your thoughts around like giving gifts, sending cards, things of that nature? And do you do it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think gifts are a really cool way to be able to to recognize people. Um, and I've I've sent a few. So I think I think that gifts are underutilized in um, in the way that we've run things. Um, but what what we've organized around, actually, I guess, is something that's uh, kind of motivating. So um, we've rallied around. Uh, basically contributing as a team to send like gift cards to somebody who got promoted to account executive as a, you know, a thank you for their time on the team. Um, I think something that, that we've done um, that's helped kind of drive some of that, uh, that value and recognition that ties to gifts is um, basically creating a gamified approach to, um, to, driving the goals that we're trying to focus toward with with our SDRs. And so kind of taking a, a gamified approach to uh, basically creating a point system, behaviors that we're trying to encourage and incentivize, uh, accrue points at, at different levels. And at the end of the month or end of uh, the quarter, the uh, winning SDRs get to uh, bid on, on different activities. Yeah, what do you mean by bid on different activities? Uh, so we... <laughs> So we we had a few different uh, winning categories that were set up, um, and uh, with your points that you had accrued, or we call them lucid bucks, with the lucid bucks you had accrued over the course of the the competition, you got to go do an auction and basically bid with each other, and uh, you know for we had one that was a personal development activity, one that was um, just like an experience, one that was a professional development. Um, type of an activity and i don't even remember what the other category was oh it was it was nikes 
<laughs> and uh, everybody just competed with each other, bid with each other, you know, for those those prizes with the bucks that they had accrued. And it was really cool. It was really fun. It was fun um, competing over the course of, uh, of the quarter to earn the lucid bucks. And it was really fun competing again <laughs> to uh, bid with each other. And, and, you know, we were all live in the training room bidding on these uh, these things. And it was a, a pretty cool experience overall. That is really cool. I'm going to have to see what I can do to implement that in my own company. That's really cool. So you basically get your SDRs. They, they accrue bucks through like, you know, these different tasks, I would assume, and then they'll save up a certain amount and then they'll bid for a, like kind of like the best prizes. Is that like end of month or end of quarter? Yeah. So we did, um, we did that over the last half of last quarter and then we just kicked off a new one. And, and this quarter's is a team a team uh, competition. So we've we've got our teams. The winning team takes the cake this quarter. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, that's super cool. So one of the other things that I definitely wanted to go over is what do you feel are some of the ineffective ways that ineffective ways to reinforce, encourage your SDRs that maybe you've done yourself as mistakes that you see other SDR leaders doing. Because there's nothing worse than when you're trying to like genuinely reinforce, but it kind of comes across as inauthentic or awkward. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think one thing, and I think that the uh, the experience that I had with my SDR where I was trying to troubleshoot um, problems is, is a case where there's an intent to try to pr- provide some encouragement and some reinforcement and saying, you know, like, hey, it's okay, um, that underlied that experience and uh you know the outcome ended up not being that at all um so i think that that's a good example of of an ineffective way to reinforce is by trying to take their job onto your shoulders is definitely one um you know i think i think aside from that i think the only other main ineffective way that i can think of 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 reinforcing is by trying to uh to dangle their job over their head. Um, I, I think it's something that that can be easy to do to, to try to drive results. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, there are definitely times where, where you have someone that just isn't getting it or isn't performing or isn't putting in the effort. Um, like that, that definitely does exist. Um, I think that if that's the method of reinforcement that, that gets them going, they're probably not the best uh, person over the long run. If you're going to have to threaten them with their job repeatedly to get them to actually do it, um, then then maybe that's a time where you start looking at the the root of that issue. And do they even want to be in sales? Do they have the desire and the motivation to do the job? Or are they just doing it because they have a job and, and now they're scared they might lose it? Um, that's That's what comes to mind. Do you ever dangle promotions being like, hey, if we can't get this figured out, like there's no way you're going to be able to get promoted to like this role? Or do you always resort to that as like a really last resort? Yeah, no, I think I think that using promotions, um, I mean, pretty much anyone who's in the SDR role understands it's an entry level role. And that's a, a direction that they're um, trying to go with their career. Um, you know, whatever their their final track may look like. But yeah, I mean, promotions are are a great way to be able to tie, you know, what somebody wants with what they need to do, with what skills they need to develop or, you know, efforts they, they need to increase. Um, that's, that's been a really good driving force. And I think one of the, uh, 
The main factors with that, though, is, again, framing that promotion and, and constantly reminding them of you know, what the benefits are, what they get by getting there, um, how that's going to uh, kind of drive those, those things that they want, that money, that recognition, that impact, um, because otherwise it can definitely start to fall flat in the sense if it starts to sound more like a, a threat or a bad thing or like, hey, you know, it's like if you if you take a kid and you constantly tell them over and over again, you're not going to get to uh, you're not going to get to have dessert or whatever, you know, enforcement. You're not, you know, um, and eventually, uh, you know, it's, it's just no longer effective. And so, you know, it can be really easy to get discouraged. And, and especially if they're in a bit of a rut to be like, well, maybe I don't want that promotion anymore. That seems like it sucks. Um, and, uh, just reminding them. And I think that comes back to, uh, again, just reminding them why they're in, in the job they are, that you have, you have faith in them and that, Hey, let's, you know, let's take a look at this. Let's see what we need to do to get back on track because this is what you're going to get with this promotion. You know, you're, you're going to be able to make more money. You're going to have, um, you know, a better, uh, work-life balance, Potentially, you're going to be able to do more of the things that you want to do outside of work. You know, you're going to get to have a more direct hand in driving these outcomes for our customers. Um, that's really where where that becomes key. Sometimes they have to remember that that is, in fact, what they're going to get. And they do want that after all. Yeah, really good points there. Do you actually have an example of like one of the most effective uh, like instances where, you know, you went out there you you encouraged a rep and you saw that really hit and have a positive result maybe like like a best type of story there yeah yeah so i think that um probably one of the most effective forms of reinforcement um that that i've seen so far has been uh just giving confidence giving that rep confidence and and you know i think a lot of what we've talked about today kind of forms the foundation for that confidence um, you know, but something that a lot of, of uh, reps on our team were struggling with, with for a good amount of time was just actually picking up the phone. And so it was causing a lot of uh, challenges in that, yeah, we get a lot of responses by email. That's part of what's really cool about working for a company that has a ton of tailwind behind its product and a, a huge user base. Um, but at the same time, especially as things had kind of uh, started to shift and stall out with what we've been seeing in the economy, Emails were, you know, you're having to send a higher volume of emails for lesser results. Um, and that was that was getting really frustrating for the team. And, and for one person in particular who had zero issues with work ethic, always, you know, top of the leaderboard, always out there just putting their best foot forward every day, but was not getting the results at all um, and was getting really frustrated with it. Um, and so we just took some time to uh, really uh, went in, did an hour-long whiteboarding session, just breaking down uh, their approach and um, taking, okay, this is a conversation you had earlier in this week. Let's break that down. Let's break down what are you doing to prepare for these calls. And uh, ultimately, what we we ended up identifying was that there was just a, a lack of confidence in being able to, you know, actually approach that initial call and and pare down their value prop to be relevant to that. Uh, uh, that person. And, you know, so as a result, they were not going into the calls with a lot of confidence and they were getting shut down really quickly. So even though they're making tons of calls, uh, they were just 
uh, getting shot down <laughs> every single time. And so as we started as a, a team doing these cold call warmups in the in the morning, they were still feeling kind of frustrated. I don't know what to say. So we did another session and uh, um, uh, basically I challenged them to think like really hard with this information. How do you how do you pare that down into three sentences for an executive for how to position us? Sent them away with that homework assignment, brought them back. They they emailed me um, their final product and the next day set four meetings over the phone. Boom. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate you sharing that. And that actually brings us to like one of the, the last questions I wanted to go through here. And that is, you know, how much does time invested manager to SDR impact how valued that SDR feels? What are your thoughts on that whole subject? Yeah, I mean, I think the time that a manager spends with their SDRs is is massive and being able to help them feel valued, feel important, feel seen. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, I think that as when you're a frontline manager, it can be easy to see and, and want to take on some of these more high level uh, types of uh, projects. And they definitely should be brought in in their appropriate balance. But there's no more better and valuable place you can be spending your time than with your reps. Um, you know, whether that's jumping in and, and shadowing their calls, doing dials with them, um, helping them, you know, do do call reviews, helping them do account research, whatever the case may be, the best place you can spend your time is with your reps. Um, yeah, and that's something that that I think resonates especially well with me, uh, just because in in uh, one of my prior roles, um, I had a, a manager who uh, really didn't spend time with their reps, and so. Even though I was, you know, this A plus all star uh, on the team, you know, actually given an MVP award for the work that I was doing and, and basically looked at as as the pinnacle of excellence within our organization. Um, as far as I was concerned, the the environment that having a manager that didn't spend time with me created is one where it's like, great, I'm somebody that you can show off to the executives and say you're doing a good job and you wouldn't even know my last name if it wasn't in the Salesforce report. And so, you know, it's it's not not the greatest experience for the reps, but also something that, you know, by seeing you in the trenches next to them and seeing like, hey, I'm willing to dive into this with you. Not only do I care about you, um, but I'm going to I'm going to you know do this by your side and, and help you get what you want out of it. They'll run through walls for you. And especially, you know, you get to that that end of quarter blitz where it's, you know, long days and everybody's grinding, um, you'll be amazed at, at what your team will do when they feel like you're, you're right there with them. That's super interesting. So it's one thing to spend time, but like spending almost like, like quality time, I guess, if you will, do you think a lot of that's just getting in there, doing the thing with them? Um, I guess, like, how do you think about those interactions and really creating that, that, bond almost with your shadows to where they will run through walls for you. Cause I think most, you know, SDR leaders, that's all they could ever wish for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'll, so much of it centers around the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and that's something that again, because of my own experiences, I, I am really particular about, I've had managers that have canceled our one-on-ones or moved them around, you know, last second, um, and I get that sometimes things come up, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where, oh, Hey, you know, I mean, my perception of that is that 
they're saying, oh, hey, he's doing totally fine. He doesn't need me. And, you know, that's not the case at all. Like, I've got plenty of things that I want to talk about just because I'm way over quota doesn't mean that I don't have things to to cover. And so that's something that I, I protect um, very strictly is my one on one time. It it doesn't get moved. Um, the one on one time we have on the calendar is the one on one time we have on the calendar. If the CEO of the company wants to talk to me about something, he can talk to me tomorrow. Um, but uh, using that one on one is kind of the center vessel of that relationship. Um, yeah, I think that if you try to get too rigid and we do X things on X cadence, um, then it, it kind of takes some of that away. But just being able to use that one on one to say, OK, this week, let's get a couple calls that I can jump on and shadow you and give you some live feedback. Or, you know, let's let's pull that that call that you were talking about. Let's set up some time that we can dive in, debrief on it. Um, let's go over some of your recorded connected calls, whatever that individual may need. Let's go pull up some accounts and practice writing emails to executives. Um, but just basing that off of the individual and getting one to two additional touch points through the week outside of that one on one where you're helping them with those developmental things. So for SDR managers and leaders that don't know, why do top performing reps who don't necessarily need any help with the uh, like actual appointment setting, why would they want to talk to their, their managers? What are those reasons? Yeah. So most of the time, um, it's, it's something to where they might have ideas for, you know, things that they're seeing. I mean, as a top performing rep, they're probably finding things that could be better um that that they can then contribute or assist with the group um but also on top of that they want to talk about you know their development their potential and their next step um and so that's where you know most of the time from an sdr they're going to move into you know closing type of a role is the path for the vast majority of them um and so you know they want to be able to start getting your feedback and thinking okay i've got i've got a lot of this core sdr uh, kind of motion down what can I start doing to prepare for my next step? And they want somebody that's going to be able to show them that path and start developing those skills so that when that, that opportunity comes along, they're ready to jump on it. Um, you know, they want to be set up, set for success in that next role. Awesome. This has been so good. I'm so happy that uh, we are able to get you on here. The insights that you've shared have been really, really huge. I know it's going to help a lot of people out there. Um, where can people find you if they have questions? Maybe on LinkedIn or somewhere like that? Yeah, LinkedIn's the best place. My wife calls me a nerd because it's the only social media I actually do. Uh, but yeah, linkedin.com slash the Kyler Jackson. There we go. We'll pop the link in the description. And I'll also drop that link for the the article talking about the monkeys in case you guys want to go uh, read that. It sounds like we'll help you guys out a lot. So we'll put that in there as well. Definitely read it. It's great. Awesome. Any any last things that you wanted to mention for SDR leaders out there who want to make their, their teams feel more valued, how to think about delegation, anything we haven't already discussed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things. Everybody's situation's different. Everything's unique. Um, you know, I'm always happy to uh, to share time. And, you know, if you have questions, I may not know at all, but I usually have at least one good idea or one different way of thinking about it. <laughs> Maybe that's the, the different idea you need. So feel free to reach out. But yeah, always, always remember your, your people are you <laughs> and, and you know, being able to, to keep them happy and make them feel like what they're doing is important is going to take you places. 
Hope that was valuable for all of you. As per usual, if you want to get in touch with Kyler, we've got us linked in in the episode description. One other thing, if you'd like to potentially be an interviewee on the show, which means you'd like to be interviewed as a podcast guest, you can actually reach out to me. I've dropped my LinkedIn in the episode description. It's in the description of every single episode. And you can send me a message request there to uh, potentially be a guest on our show. If you've got sales development managerial experience or experience in the sales development director role, or if you just feel like you've got some really relevant insights in some adjacent but still really relevant uh, sectors or industries, then you could definitely reach out to me as well. I'd love to have a chat with you. And as per usual, if you haven't already, head over to iTunes, drop us a rating, drop us a review. That'll let us get the show in front of a lot more people and start bringing in more of the people that you want to see interviewed on this podcast. All right. We'll see you in the next one. Appreciate you all.